Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Dirty Talk. Um, today we have a very special guest with us, V from Shebop, and she's going to be talking with us about like orgasms specifically, like um, female orgasms, both for cisgendered women as well as trans women, and like kind of like the difference between estrogen versus testosterone-powered orgasms and all of that stuff. Um, today we just have me, Arna, on here because Sophia and Vivian um, couldn't join us as co-hosts because they both had other stuff that they were busy with. So it's just going to be me and V today. Um, and yeah, I'm a little, I'm just like recovering from being sick. So my voice is a little hoarse. Um, so sorry about that. But I'm going to let V introduce herself now. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is V. My pronouns are she, her. I am the education coordinator for Shebop, a uh, feminist, sex-positive, sex-toy boutique store in Portland, Oregon. Uh, and I am a poly, queer, kinky trans woman and all the other lovely sex positive things as well kind of get thrown in there too and studying to be a rabbi because why the hell not that's amazing thank you so much um do you want to talk a little bit i know you had some definitions for us as we move into this topic so if you wanted to start off with those um just to all the listeners out there this episode will be a little bit more interviewee than our other episodes just because V has a lot more information on this topic than I do, so I'll just chime in wherever I can. Uh, yeah, so when thinking about orgasms, um, helpful to know a few things. Uh, one of them is difference between uh, either female and male orgasms, uh, specifically as it relates to organs and hormones, um, because orgasms are so biology centered and focused uh, rather than someone's gender identity. It's uh, having an impact, which can have a little bit because one's mood state, psychological, everything has an impact. Of course, it has to do a lot with actually what's going on in one's body. So the parts you have, whether it's a penis or a vulva uh, or vagina, depending also on someone's bottom surgery will definitely make a huge difference on what the orgasms are, how they feel, how you get them, uh, as well as what hormones you have coursing through your body. So uh, in general, I tend to like to use vaginal orgasms, penile orgasms, uh, prostate orgasms, G-spot orgasms, uh, because all four of those can be very different. Uh, depending on the hormones that those organs are being powered by. So just a quick example, somebody that uh, assists woman who has a vagina and has a pretty high estrogen count is going to have one kind of orgasm compared to, let's say, a trans man who has a vagina but is being powered by testosterone instead of estrogen. So same body part, different fuel, as it were, different orgasm. Uh, and there are, of course, lots of similarities, too. But we can get into those later as well. Yeah, okay. Thank you so much. So um, first, I kind of wanted to talk about 
the main reason we're doing, like, the reason we decided to start doing this episode was because when we talk about, like, sex and sex ed, and um, this podcast is led by all cisgender women, and so Mm -hmm. we, like, one of the things we were like, oh, what are some topics we want to address, and one of the topics we were wanting to address was, like, the whole thing around, like, why is it so hard for women to, like, orgasm, you know? Like, even at, like, my age and, like, my friends and, like, their, and my own, like, sexual experiences with, like, um, you know, like, te- like, young adult women, like, going to college, engaging in hookup culture and that lack of, like, sexual satisfaction and that mm-hmm. whole, like, m- myth or maybe not myth, maybe there's some truth to it, but, like, you know, it's, like, harder for women to orgasm or it's, like how that works and stuff like that and just why it's um what are some like barriers that might be um occurring there and so I was wondering um like what do you know about that you know as like working in like a sex toy shop and stuff like that and of course touch on everything you want to but also um I guess the question is more focused on like vagina powered orgasms Uh that is what the question is off the doubt is often circulated around Totally. So I could definitely speak to that. Um, it, it's, it's a myth, but it's uh, a myth that has some, like a lot of myths, has some foundation, some basis in reality. Um, definitely independent, definitely dependent on each person. I for sure have friends who uh, they come like champs. Like it does not take much for them to orgasm and they can do 10, 15, 20 in a row and they're good to go, and I kind of hate them for it. Um, But there is some truth to it, and it has to do partially with the hormones and partially with the anatomy. So big difference between, um, like, vulvas and penises. You would think there's a lot because of how they look very different, but they're essentially the same organ. They're just shaped differently. So the glands, the top, the head of the penis, uh, is basically the clit. It's what the clit turns into when the fetus is infused with a whole lot of testosterone early in, de- uh, in development or middle in development when uh, the baby's like sex starts to grow and starts to change. So the difference is the head of a penis has so is lots of nerves, just like the clit but so much more surface area. So because it's basically similar in terms of number of nerves, but not concentration of nerves, there's in general less sensitivity than there is for a clit. And anytime you're dealing with a difference in sensitivity, you have to be a little bit more targeted and uh, I would say intentional with how you achieve an orgasm, how you interact with that thing. So with a penis, um, because there's less sensitivity in general, like you can grab the entire thing. You can grab the entire glands and do things to it and with it. And it doesn't really matter too much what you do. There's going to be an activation of the nerves there. There's going to be pleasure. You're not really in danger usually, always usually, of like overstimulation or understimulation because you can access so much of it. Uh, clits, not as much. Just like uh, penises can have uh, 
a covering or not if someone is circumcised. Uh, clits always have a clitoral hood. Some are bigger than others. Some are more hidden. Everyone's anatomy is different, but there's a clitoral hood that you kind of have to peel back to getting access to the clit. And even then, you're only getting a small part of it because the clit as an organ uh, extends for a good while into your own body, uh, which is why a lot of like pressure in the vaginal canal feels really good because it, it's all nerves that are connected and affecting the clit root, as it were, that's inside. So you have just a lot less to work with, which means you can't kind of go in like a bulldozer and just smash your hand in there or even smash your tongue in there and expect things to happen. Usually you need to focus on it more. You need to have an actual intention of circling, flicking, moving up and down, moving left and right, sometimes doing different things. Because if you do one thing too much, such a small surface area, high concentration of nerves, overstimulation, it's too much. And then the orgasm essentially gets lost. So you need to have that balance of uh, doing a lot, but a lot of varied things because of the danger of overstimulation. Uh, and orgasms rely on the nerves being stimulated the right amount. There's a threshold where it's not enough and there's a threshold where it's too much. Um, the nice thing is there's a lot of easy access to the G-spot, which is a bit of urethral sponge that comes up. Um, basically, it leans up against the bladder and it's that spongy part that if you're going into the vaginal canal and doing a come hither motion upwards feels different than the rest of the vaginal walls. And you can stimulate that area and get really powerful, very different orgasms. As opposed to someone that has a penis and a prostate, the prostate's a lot harder to access. So partially because there's even articles of like, does the G-spot exist? Which the article should just be, yes, you're an idiot, stop it. Um, that is very much ignored by the general world we live in. And unfortunately, a lot of the men that inhabit that world. And even a lot of the women who inhabit that world that don't know. So even if you're like lesbian, even if you're queer of some kind, you might not know how to like make someone come using the G-spot. Uh so there is this idea that men come so much easier than women because, yeah, it's a little easier to make a penis come than a clit. But also a lot of men don't experience prostate orgasms, which are awesome. Uh, and a lot of women uh, don't get to experience juice, but orgasms because of not knowing exactly how to activate it. And men not even knowing that that is a thing that exists. Um. So it's definitely a much different world when you get into the trans world. Um, but that's in general why a lot of folks struggle with orgasms, especially a lot of folks who have vulvas and vaginas, clits. It's uh, very much like having something really, really small that is supremely sensitive. So you have to be very careful and intentional with how you work, but 
I see. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and there's also the other part of it is that what I've heard, and you can correct me if I'm wrong or just like, mm-hmm. but um, what I've also heard is that while it may be like harder to get vaginas slash vulvas to that point, when you're able to work it and when you're able to focus the right way, those orgasms can be like so much better than ones like powered by penises just because of anatomy. Is that correct? Um. Yeah. So again, it all it has to do kind of with. Um, that is, I felt a difference in hormones and a lot of it is still not understood that well, partially Mm -hmm. because funding for doing this kind of really deep work is hard to come by since we live in a terrible sex negative world ruled by an evil, greedy, capitalistic patriarchy. Don't at me, but actually at me. Um, so I can say as a trans woman, which has been fun as someone who's also interested in uh, sex education, because I have firsthand experience of the difference between testosterone and estrogen with the same body parts. So I have not had bottom surgery yet. Um, I have had an orchiectomy, which is removal of uh, testicles. So my body no longer produces a sex hormone. I get my estrogen that I take through injections. Um, and there's still a penis there. But it's all being powered by estrogen. And my orgasms have changed dramatically from when they used to be powered by testosterone. They're much more intense. Um, They're much more full body. So I have the orgasm and the nerves in, in that area respond. But I feel the sensation kind of throughout my body as well never used to happen back in my old boy days. Um, It's also harder for me to get to orgasm now than it used to be. Not to the same extent that I have heard other women uh, who don't quite know their clits yet well enough to get there. But something about estrogen does very much change the experience of the orgasm. Um, So I'm not sure if it's the physical anatomy or if it's the um, internal biology of what it's being powered by. I seem, I, I, my guess is it's a little both. My guess is that, um, with an area that has less sensitivity in general, the orgasms that result from that are going to be a little bit less powerful than coming from an area that has a lot more sensitivity. Um, but definitely hormones play a big role and what that feels like. And a G-spot orgasm, similar to a prostate orgasm, they're basically the same organ. Um, They act very much the same. And as a matter of fact, when trans women have bottom surgery, the prostate, the way the vaginal canal is um, constructed, the prostate ends up being where the G-spot is in cis women. Uh, Those orgasms are very similar between anyone who has a prostate or a G-spot and are very, very different from clitoral orgasms, hugely different, different anatomy, different structure, different nerves, um, tend to be really full body, tend to be really explosive um, for some. So I think it also has to do with the fact that a lot of men uh, and, for, and like in general folks, the penises, um, 
they can see their stuff super mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do a whole vagina monologue sitting down, spread eagle with a mirror, which looking at anything through a mirror is hard Yeah. to figure out where your anatomy is and what feel, you can just, oh, look, there's my penis. I see it. I can like experiment with it and it's like right there in front of me. Um, so I think that's part of it is just folks who grow up with penises. It's easier for them to get to orgasm because there's more experience with it. Uh, and it might not be as powerful um, simply because of the shape of it. But yeah, hormones, big role. Big, big, big role. Yeah, and I just wanted to add something because, you know, just um, being someone who works in like sex ed, like po- positive sex education and consent education advocacy and just like as like an 18-year-old, you know, going off to college in this day and age, one of the things like I've often heard a lot of my peers, especially like, um, individuals who identify as women is often they say that like oh like I can make myself orgasm but when I'm like you know doing something with a partner I've never orgasmed like at the hands mm-hmm. of anyone else and I feel like that's also something interesting and I feel like there's so much going on there too like of course there's the inherent thing of like you know your body best you know like what feels good so you kind of just go with that intuition um, and it kind of works out but then I also see that most of my friends who are, um, I don't want to say unsatisfied, but like for the lack of a better term, like unsatisfied mm-hmm. sexually um, in like relationships or partnerships or just like even hookups, most of them like end up like being like heterosexual ones. Like when I talk to a lot of like my queer or lesbian mm-hmm. friends, a lot of them will say stuff like, oh, like. Um, and these are all like female identifying friends that I'm talking about but a lot of Mm -hmm. them will say stuff like oh like when I have like queer sex or when I have sex with another woman identifying person it's so much better like they know what they're doing and it feels good and it's just so much better but when I hear you know stuff from like and even my own experiences with like heterosexual relationships or like um you know there's a lot of like oh like it just felt like weird and intrusive like it wasn't like bad but it didn't feel good and no I did not come you know like most of my like female identifying friends who have engaged in like penetrative um heterosexual sex none of them have like orgasm to it they'll be like oh it was like fun like it was fine there were some parts that i liked but no i did not orgasm and i feel like there's so much that goes into that there is of course the whole thing because i've had these conversations with my peers and i think like one of the things is like you know like the inherently patriarchal nature of penetrative sex sometimes i feel like Mm -hmm. and also the fact that like just because of you know, we don't have time to, like, dismantle literally every message <laughs> negative of sex and sexuality that has ever been delivered to us. But one of the main things is that when we look at penetrative heterosexual sex, um, it like, the focus is, always seems to be on the man. Like, even in media, even when we're, like, uh-huh. talked to about this, like, kind of sex, the focus is always on the man. And so in a lot of, like, hookup relationships or even just, like, romantic relationships where you're having, like, that penetrative sex... Um, the focus might be on like the male individual's pleasure and so there might not be as much focus on like have having you know allowing the women woman to orgasm and like kind of like V mentioned it takes more focus you know because of the anatomy and the structure it takes more focus for to um, help a woman like reach orgasm and so I feel like that's so interesting um, and I think there's a variety of reasons there um, I don't want to generalize 
But for this purpose, I will... There's obviously, like, the whole thing of, like, men not even just putting in the effort to, like, please women often in, like, heterosexual relationships. Um, and, like, putting in the effort to, like, know what is good and what isn't good for women or individuals with vulva, um, whatever they may identify as. And so I think that's interesting. And just, like, in general... <coughs> and maybe, V, you can, like, talk about this more. Just, like... Kind of like, you know, the nature of like penetrative sex is like focusing on the pleasure of the male identifying individual. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely focus on the man and the patriarchy, which burn it all down. Um, it's, it's also um, partially a media thing in that which again is patriarchal in that it's more okay to kind of talk about penises than it is clits um i mean even the word itself right penis and clitoris penis is in general a like less quote-unquote dirty word than clit or clitoris is um which is the worst um and it's also terrible sex ed that doesn't really teach this stuff in schools because, oh, sex is dirty. And if we don't talk about it, then they won't do it, which is dumb and also patently untrue. Um, and it's lack of experience. It's very much, there, there's a reason that queer sex uh, tends to the kind of joke of like queer sex being better. It's when you're interacting with someone who has your own anatomy. Uh, yeah. It's a lot easier because you know, all the bits and the parts. I think you, they might look a little different, you know, uh, for vulva folk, um, labia look different from person to person, clits, clitoral hoods all look different from person to person. Every vulva is a unique snowflake, but you can, once you've seen a vulva, especially if it's your own, uh, yeah, you kind of get the picture of like, I know what to do here. Um, and it might be individual, you know, one, person might like flicking and one person might like more softer motion, but that's easily correctable. Um, and I think because queer sex and queerness in general is something that's always been under the radar uh, and had to kind of rely on its own, right? there is not really, has not been traditionally, media to look to for how to have queer sex. So you have to figure it out on your own. And the only way to figure it out your own is to talk about it which leads a lot of heterosexual um, ex sexual experiences to not have that because they think they know based on the terrible sex ed in schools and the terrible sex portrayed in media. And you just do the thing as opposed to talking and saying, Hey, what feels good for you? Mm -hmm. um, right. Any problems with a heterosexual relationship between cis folks if it's between trans people, trans people tend to know their bodies super, super well, um, either because we hate them or we just got them. Um, but yeah, like good old fashioned cishet sex, almost all the problems would be fixed by sitting down and just saying, hey, what feels good? Yeah. Tell me what you want me to do. And having both partners, right, not just on the on the dudes in that situation, but on men, on women too to like feel open enough and brave enough to tell their partner, this is what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. And having a partner who's receptive to that. 
um, solves all the problems. Um, and yeah, it's also from a cyst guy's perspective. Vulvas are confusing. I, I grew up as a cyst guy. I used to, you know, I thought I was a cyst guy. Um, pretended to be one at least for 30 years. And when I first started having sex, it was confusing. I encountered an organ I had never seen before and did not know uh, and looked weird compared to the organ I had and was very easy to operate. So without those conversations, yeah, having bad sex, having sex that doesn't lead to orgasms, um, super common, especially because a lot of guys also don't understand the anatomy. Um, and a lot of, you know, women don't either. A lot of cis women don't either. So having penetrative sex or, you know, PIV, penis and vagina sex, guys can easily come with that because their version of the clit is being stimulated by that. A cis woman's is not. And unless they have more easily to obtain vaginal wall or G-spot orgasms, yeah, they're not going to come from just straight up PIV sex. But the guy will, usually. So when people think of sex, if they only think of PIV sex and they're not willing or, or not comfortable talking about what feels good, you end up with a bunch of guys coming and a bunch of girls not. Yeah, yeah. And I also just want to, like, add in, like, of course, like, this is... Um, you know, us talking about may maybe like a lot of people's experiences, but not all. It's like it's completely possible <laughs> that you have cis had penetrative sex for the first time and you do orgasm and that's great. I am. But you know, just like in my own experience as a woman with a lot of women identifying friends, a lot of people do not have that experience. And both both sides of that are valid. But I feel like it, it, you know, there's um, worth in talking about that because I feel like when I talk to a lot of my women identifying friends, a lot of them are like, oh, sex is so mediocre. Like, I kind of just like do it. But, you know, it's important to understand that like, like V is saying, with that communication, with that effort, it can be amazing for all parties involved. Um and so I just think that that's super important. And also to like just say like the first few times you may engage in like penetrative cishet sex, that might not be the best. But again, because like you, the, you know, you don't know those organs that you're dealing mm -hmm. with and you don't have experience. But as you kind of go on from there and as you kind of find out more about yourself even and what you like, it's going to get better. So this is not to say that like, oh, oh yeah. sex is always just going to be mediocre. For sure. It depends on everyone's body. I for sure have cishet friends that have great sex. I have a lot of um, cis women friends in my life that um, they have amazing orgasms with PIV sex because of just how their anatomy works. Like, you know, it it's they have really fantastic orgasms with that. Um, and other friends that really love sex, they really love PIV sex, don't come from it ever. And like, they know that. And, you know, now they know like how to come and how to tell their partner to make them come. Um, and they still love the sex, but for them, it's just, nope, never going to happen. They never come that way. Totally fine. Um, so yeah, definitely very individual. Um, and there's, uh, it's a lot of going slow, figuring things out, taking time, uh, especially after the first time, 
The first time you have penetrative sex, if it's the first time being penetrated, if you've never used a dildo or a vibrator or even fingers, um, it's going to be a shock to the system and a shock to one's body. And so that's going to, it usually or can impact one's orgasm because your nerves are all a fire of this thing happening that has not happened before and not in this way. Uh, and so the first time might just be a, hey, we're going to be doing a new thing, body. It's going to be awesome. I promise you. But it's first time's going to be a little rough. It's fine. Next couple times, get used to it. And then once your body is kind of adapted, then the nerves are like, oh, no, this does feel really good. Oh, this feels great. Oh, we should have orgasms now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, V, did you want to talk more about um, is there more you wanted to talk about, like the difference between estrogen and testosterone-powered orgasms? If you wanted to, we're reaching like the end half of our episode here, um, mm-hmm. and so just whatever else you want to talk about, or anything, if you wanted to talk about, like since you do work in a sex toy sh- store, you know, like other things about orgasms that people have questions about, or like talking about how sex toys can like help achieve orgasms like in a fo- more focused way just anything you want to talk about you can yeah um I mean, there's definitely lots of good things to talk about but primarily especially in terms of like toys um toys are great solo toys are great with partners too um toys it's important to view toys like any other kind of tool they're um they're there to add to the experience. And if like toys aren't right for you, great, fine, wonderful. They don't have to be, but they also can be. Um, And I'm a big believer in, you can never have too many uh, sex toys, whether it's kink gear, like floggers or sex toys, like vibrators, whether it's masturbation sleeves or cock rings for penis having folk. Um, you can, never have too, you can never have too many orgasms. There's never a point where it's, oh, there's just too much pleasure. I need to be more sad in my life. Like, life is hard. COVID's ruined everything. The patriarchy ruins everything. Everything has ruined everything. Uh, we should all be having more orgasms. So um, even if your sex life is great, it could always be a little bit better, maybe. We're different. Clitoral orgasms are different than G-spot orgasms, different than penis orgasms and prostate orgasms and vibration adds a whole fun new thing airflow toys um i had a decent eh, eh to decent sex life before transitioning a better sex life after transitioning and an even better sex life when i started incorporating just fun things like sensation play and toys into it where i didn't feel like i was limiting myself so Ignore all the shame, disgust, and fear that our garbage world tries to get in on us. Um, And just enjoy exploring sex in one's body and figuring out what works and what feels best. Because life is too short to not be orgasming every chance you get. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for that. Um, Yeah, if if you have anything else to add, we can talk about any other topics you want to, or we can move on to a close-out. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, goodness, there's so much to talk about. I, I will say for anyone, as, as more people are transitioning um, and more people are feeling safe to transition, more people are discovering their sexuality and exploring, um, to, uh, 
to be careful and cautious with language, to know how you're saying things. I know as a trans woman, I hear, um, you know, the thing about women and then the whole thing is about vaginas. And I'm like, I'm a woman, but I don't have that. This sucks. Um, so know who, know about what you're talking. Um, I would also add that, um, don't be afraid to explore. Um, and know that all bodies are basically the same. They might just be structured slightly differently, but it's basically all the same parts and all the same bits. Uh, and it's all the same basic fundamental nerve systems that run through it. So whether you're cis or trans, straight or queer, um, those things are identities. They don't determine one's uh, enjoyment with sex. Like if you are a straight dude and uh, you do something involving butts, it does not make you gay. That makes you a lover of things involving butts. Um, so being a big part of sex and a good sex life, I would say, besides all the knowledge of anatomy and stuff, is just being playful and exploring. Um, other than that, I think going to a closeout, I've got a couple books uh, to suggest um, of things that I, I'm a big fan of, especially when it comes to orgasms and figuring, figuring all this stuff out. Okay, yeah, we can go on to a closeout. Do you want to start us off since you said with the book? Yeah, so um, a really great one that um, I'm a fan of, which is not that expensive either, is called Bang uh, with an exclamation mark. Its full title is Bang Masturbation for People of All Genders and Abilities. Um, it has great sections like twiddly bits. Um, and it's the way that it's written and illustrated is really approachable and fantastic in that it approaches self-pleasure uh, from a perspective of you're a human with a body and you want to have self-pleasure. Great. And it's not gendered. Um, it's not ableist either. It's really, really accessible. So it's like one of my go-to books to figuring out masturbation and figuring out how your own body and stuff works, ways you can do it. Um, for all the femme folk out there, um, whether it's you or whether it's um, a lover of femme folk, um, Girl Sex 101 is a really great book. It's been out for a while now. Um, it has some really great language and it has a great, I think they've updated it too, really great section on trans girls and the differences between a cis girl and a trans girl when it comes to sex. So another fantastic read, Girl Sex 101, um, written by the, if I can remember her name, it's Allison. Um, let's see, a quick Google save me. Um, Allison Moon, that's right. Uh, fantastic author, great book. Definitely something to check out. That's great. Thank you so much. Um, and then I can do my checkout. Um, I, what did I, let's see. Um, I read this book called People We Meet on Vacation, Vacation by Emily Henry. Um, it's something that I've been meaning to read for a long time. So that was fun. It was on my like list. Um, and then I obviously, like, a lot of people watched the first episode of the season two of Euphoria last night. 
Um, it was really good. I'm really excited for this season. And then I think um, the other thing is, this is really embarrassing, but I did do it. Um, I don't know if you know about this, V, but like, you know, TikTok has these like content houses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I watched the Hype House reality TV show on Netflix. It was definitely like a guilty pleasure thing. I definitely watched it to like laugh at it. Um, it's good if you like want something stupid to laugh at. Um, like they're all just like, I can't, like, I don't see how they're real people. And it's just like interesting to see what they think are problems um and stuff like that and so it was it was funny it was it was like stupid but funny and so that's what i've been doing um but yeah we thank you so much for coming on for this episode to all of our listeners shebop is a great resource they have a blog if you're looking to buy your first sex toy or just a sex toy they have a blog on like different materials different types what might be right for you mm-hmm. um and i believe you ship to like across the country yep we ship yeah. all over um ship all over the country um we've got a lot of different blogs so anal sex guide to lube first vibrator um, I think there's a couple kink ones on there also, uh, a ton of online classes. All of our classes currently are online and over zoom, which if you've got zoom fatigue sucks, but also if you're not in Portland, Oregon, it's fantastic. Um, so we can look those up. Um, February classes will be being posted soon and we're going to be, um, because of black history month, we're going to have only black educators or all black educators, I guess, for That's teaching right. for February, which we're excited about. Um, and yeah, and you can also, if you have any questions, anyone has any questions for me personally, you can either uh, kind of email Shebop. Um, uh, if you go to just sheboptheshop.com on our website and go to the contact, you'll see the events email. That's where I can be found at. Um, or you can also find me on all the different social medias as uh, the Rebel Jewess um, on Instagram and Twitter and I think I'm on TikTok also, but barely. Okay, that's so great. Thank you so much um, for that, V, and for coming on for this episode. Um, And thank you, everyone, for listening. This is the end of this episode, but there will be more coming out. Um, So, yeah, thank you for listening, and remember to stay dirty. Thank you.